Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Good morning. It is a great day to be with God's people worshiping the one true God. We serve the one true God and it is awesome to be in His presence. While they're taking up uh, well, while they're taking up the offering, I wanna, I'm going to share a joke with you. It was actually in my notes like three weeks ago, and I forgot to share it, and I felt bad. I actually walked out of here like, man, that was a good joke. It was, it was good. So I'm going to launch with it today just because I can. And uh, so this guy, this guy, he, uh, he was going on a date. He was going to go have dinner with his, his girlfriend's parents and and. And at his girlfriend's house, and and so they just started dating. He's meeting his girlfriend's parents for the first time, and uh, he goes into this local chocolate shop and he buys three chocolate hearts: a little one, a medium-sized one, and a large one. And he goes up to pay for it, and all the chocolatiers or Willy Wonka's little Oompa Loompas or whatever, they're all busy in the back. They they couldn't help him, so the owner of the store walks up and. And he's like, well, I'll check you out. And um, he walks up and to uh, check out. He scans all three hearts and everything. He asks the, the, the teenage boy, he said, uh, so why are you buying three chocolate hearts? You got three sweethearts or something? He's like, no, they're all for the same girl. See, I'm going on a date with her tonight. And, um, and if she lets me only hold her hand, I'm going to give her the small chocolate heart. If she lets me kiss her on the cheek, I'm going to give her the medium-sized chocolate heart. And if she lets me really smooch her, well, I'm going to give her the big chocolate heart. And well, the owner of the store is like, okay, well, uh, good luck with that, I guess. I, I don't know. And he, he goes over to the house, and uh, um, he's meeting the family, and they're having dinner. And, um, well, they're about to have dinner, and they're seated, and the dad looks over at at the young man, and um, he says, son, why don't you pray? And this kid goes into the most theologically heavy, it would make Protestant and Orthodox Christians alike proud, 10-minute prayer, thanking God for his grace, thanking him for his mercy, thanking him for his cross, thanking thanking him for everything. I mean, it's so long, and the the food gets cold. He says amen, and he's really emphasizing the grace of God. And he says, hey, man, his girlfriend leans over and says, you never told me you were religious. And he leaned back and said, you never told me your dad owned a chocolate store. (laughs) (laughs) It pays to know the father. It pays to know the father. And Jesus actually says later, the reason why the father loves me is because I lay down my life for the sheep, and uh, it pays to know the Father. Jesus told the Pharisees when we were talking about being the light of the world, he says, you don't know me because you don't know my Father, and you don't know the Father because you don't know me, and it pays to know who the Father is. 
But today, we're launching into John chapter 10. We're picking right up where Ben left off last week. It's actually one narrative, and Ben knocked it out of the park talking about Jesus is the gate. And I don't honestly, I don't know if I've ever heard a message as good as Ben's message on Jesus is the gate. If you missed it, go check it out on our podcast, uh, C1 Church, or on our website. And it's, it's up there. And t- take a listen to it, because... Um, Last week, we talked about how Jesus is the way. He is the gate to get to God. He is. There, there is no other way to get to God but through Jesus. He is the gate. And, and Jesus healed a blind man right before this narrative. And the, the teachers of the religious law were having a hard time with it. And so Jesus, they, they actually excommunicate the blind man from the synagogue. He can never go back. And because he said, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I could tell you this. I was blind once, but now I can see. And they didn't like that answer. And so they excommunicate him. And then Jesus hears about this, and he says, I'll tell you what. He's talking to the blind guy. He's like, I'm the gate. And you just come after me. You'll get to God. And so today we're going to be hitting on Jesus is the good shepherd. And so last week, if it, if it dealt with Jesus is... The door, some translations say door, not the gate. But if Jesus is the gate or the door, this is how it opens. Jesus transitions in the middle of this narrative between John chapter 10, verse 10, into John chapter 10, verse 11, and he switches how he's identifying himself. He switches to, uh, from the gate to the good shepherd. And so he's not only the door which we get to God, He's a means in which the door opens to get to God. So let's look at it. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the good shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock scatters it. And, and, and I can't read. Then the wolf attacks and the flock, the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So I'm going to stop right there for a moment. You, you can leave that. Jesus actually, there's three distinct sections of the scripture. It's verses 11 through 13, and then 14 through 16, I believe, and then 17 through 21. There's three distinct things that he's identifying, and he's, there's three distinct things that we're going to talk about today but this is a second distinctive. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, and I must bring them in also. Can everyone say amen? Because guess what? We are those sheep that he must bring in also. We are the Gentiles that he's talking about. And God made a way. Even before he was, he, uh, Peter went and preached to the, the Gentiles in the book of Acts into Cornelius' house, Jesus was talking about bringing in Gentiles into the family. This is amazing. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They, all, they too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one can take it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to 
lay it down, and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words again were divided. Man, I, I, I didn't know this last point that I haven't shared you, but I almost called it Jesus is controversial. He was controversial back then, and he's still controversial today. Because he still says things that ruffle people's feathers. He still deals with topics that people don't want to deal with. He still addresses issues in our hearts that people don't want to address. People will rather just, to just cover them up and act like everything's okay. But Jesus says, I'm not okay with heart issues in your, in your, in your life. So I want to address them. And, and, and Jesus is saying things that really ruffle feathers. He's controversial. And he's dividing people. They're having a hard time because they don't know how to they don't know how to process. I mean, God brings unity, but but the reason why they're divisive here is because they don't know how to process what Jesus is saying. Because sometimes Jesus says things that's hard for us to comprehend. And it doesn't go along with the narrative of our life that we're trying to write, but it goes perfectly along with the narrative that God's writing. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Father, as we dig into your word today, I pray that you dig into our hearts today. Lord, let us not walk out of here the same way we walked in. Lord Jesus, it is not by accident that these people are here. So Lord Jesus, I pray that you open us up and do heart surgery on us today. Lord, let us walk out laying things at the altar, not carrying things anymore, because you are the good shepherd and you care for your flock. So Lord, have your way today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. There are three distinctive things that I want to talk about today. And the first distinctive is, this, are you ready? It's really deep. Jesus is distinct. What? I want to define this. I want to define this because Jesus, in the section of Scripture, 11 through 13, I'm going to read it real quick again. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the good shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when the wolf is coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus is making a distinctive. Distinct is defined as recognizably different in nature from something of a similar type. Recognizably different from something of a similar type. If we went out to say Ireland, let's let's all for a moment go on a cruise to Ireland and the Queen Mary too, all like like Jesus is covering everything. So whatever you guys want to eat, it's on him. We're going to Ireland and we're 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 gonna get off the ship and we're gonna go to a, a field of sheep, and they're gonna be in two sections. This, this, this section over here is going to have a sheep and a person, and this section over here is going to have a sheep and a person. But one of those persons is a hired hand, and one is a shepherd. If we set back on the ivory, or not ivory, that's the wrong one, the emerald, emerald hills of Ireland looking at these flocks of sheep, and we saw a, a flock of sheep with a, with a person in it, 
we would automatically assume it was a shepherd. Because it looks similar. But Jesus is distinctly different than the shepherd. If you saw a person in the middle of a flock, you would think that's a shepherd. But distinct is defined, again, as recognizably different in nature from something of a similar type. So he's doing a little compare and contrast. And he's describing what a hired hand is. A hired hand is someone who watches the flock, that gets paid to watch the flock, hence the term hired in the statement. It's in his job title. He's hired, he's paid to watch the flock. So if he's comparing and contrasting a shepherd to a hired hand, that means he's saying the hired hand cares nothing, but the, the good shepherd cares everything. He cares for the, 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 the sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep. He will die defending the sheep where the hired hand won't. The hired hand is only there as long as the sheep benefit him. Where While the shepherd is there for the benefit of the sheep. I want you to grab a hold of that. Because what is it, how does this apply to us today? Because to sheep, they just need someone to stand there to be with. And sheep will put their faith in whatever's there, pretty much. There's a reason why people would hire hired hands for the sheep, because they just need someone to watch the flock. But if the shepherd walked out, the sheep would leave the hired hand to follow the shepherd. But as long as the shepherd's not there, the, the, the sheep put their faith in that person. How does this apply to us today? I would, I would argue that there are hired hands in our life that we're putting our faith in that are not the good shepherd, that they care nothing for you. There are things in your life that you put your faith in that don't care for you. There are people in your life that you put your faith in that don't care for you. And guess what? When, when how you benefit them runs out, they're going to run out on you. That's why it's so important that we understand that Jesus is distinct and we only put our faith in the good shepherd because it's only the good shepherd who cares for you enough to stay. It's only the good shepherd. What is, tell me if this sounds familiar. It looks like us trying to find purpose through others' opinion. That's a hired hand. We, 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 we base whether we are having a good day or a bad day on, on whether we drink coffee in the morning. Oh, step off coffee, Pastor Ryan. I do that sometimes. But, but let's take it a little deeper than coffee because some of you guys are like, well, I don't drink coffee in your face. I'm already better than you. Um, some of us base it on whether people approve of us. We, we won't, like... We will, we will dress up, and, and we will dress up. We will get all fancy just to go to the store sometimes because we care about what complete strangers think about us. That's hired hands. Why are we putting faith in other people's opinions when God's opinion? If you live for man's approval, then you're going to die on man's disapproval. 
We live for the approval of God. We, we die. God approves of you through the work and finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You don't have to do anything else. You're not trying to live for man. It looks like us trying to live up to what people think. It looks like us finding comfort in fleeting desires of the flesh. You're lonely, you're tired, and you go back to that thing that brings comfort time and time again. But you, you don't want to, but you just keep going back because it's almost like automatic. It's almost habit at this point. And you keep, that, that, that's what you put comfort in. Maybe for some of us it's food. Maybe for some of us it's, 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 it's some type of drugs. Maybe for some of us it's, it's constant gratification. Maybe for some of us it's sexual addiction. Maybe for some of, some of us it's, it's uh, constantly needing but that's hired hands. It's hired help because it doesn't care for you. These things in our life that we constantly put our faith in, that we find joy in. Now, I want, I want to be careful here because, um, actually, I don't really, I'm, I'm just going to go for it. Is that okay if I just go for it? Can I just let it rip? Um, you guys voted me in without a term limit. So, uh, <laughs> but some of us put so much joy into sports. And when, when our sports teams go on a losing streak, sorry, Tennessee. Um, when our sports teams go on a losing streak, some of us, I, I'm not saying this happens here. I'm just saying it does happen. I have friends that actually get bummed out, uh, all out of sorts, when their sports teams aren't winning. Guess what? The Chicago Bulls or the Tennessee Titans or whoever else don't know your name. They don't pay your bills. They don't care for you. But yet we get all up and ante. It's the middle of football season. You can't talk about this stuff. I can, and I did, because I need to. I'm not saying that is a problem here. I'm just saying that there's potential because they're hired hands. Jesus makes a distinction for us today because when we place our faith in anything but him, we will thoroughly be disappointed time and time again. Because everything else in this life, people, money, drugs, sex, alcohol, pride, sports, will leave us high and dry. Everything but Jesus. Jesus is distinctly different than what we put our faith in. Anything else, he's different. Why is he different? I would be doing you an injustice if I talked about Jesus being the good shepherd and I didn't bring in Matthew 18, 12 through 14. Because we literally just sang about this. The last song we sang, it says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it truly, I tell you, if Jesus says truly, I tell you, that's, that's like super code for us, not even code. He's just saying, you need to listen. Because every word that came out of the mouth of God was true and had authority. So when he says truly, I tell you, this is like, open your ears super loud. Turn it up to 11. <laughs> truly, I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. 
In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Peter tells us in his, one of his epistles that God is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness, but he is not willing that any perish, but all come to a place of repentance. God goes after you. There are two things in this parable that Jesus displays about a shepherd. Number one, a good shepherd is relentless. A good shepherd is relentless. Jesus is distinct because he is relentless after you. He will go after you like no one's business. It doesn't matter how far you ran. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you made the biggest mistake of your life. Jesus is relentlessly pursuing you. That's what he does. That's who he is. He is the good shepherd, and he leaves the 99. By human standards, I want us to understand this. I want us to get this. By human standards, 99 out of 100 is really good. He left 99%. If a business had 99% profit, they wouldn't worry about the 1%. If, if, a good, if, if the hired hand was like, well, I still have 99 out of 100, I'm not going to worry about the one. But Jesus left a 99% success rate to find you. And he's willing to do that for any and all people that you'll ever encounter in this life. You will never, ever, 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 ever meet one person that Jesus did not shed his blood for. He is relentless after the one. He will go and go and go. I want you to think about this. Jesus bankrupt heaven to buy your salvation. He bankrupt heaven to buy your salvation. So, why would we ever put our faith in anything but Jesus? Jesus is the good shepherd. He is distinctly different than the hired help in your life. He is distinctly different than anything else that you could put your faith in. He's distinctly different than anything else you could find joy in. Because if you find joy in anything other than God, it is fleeting. It will. It will disappoint. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with sports. Hear me on that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with movies. I'm not a sports guy per se, even though I played basketball for 15 years of my life. But I will say, I like a good movie. I love movies. I like superhero movies. I'm a huge Superman nerd. And I, I, I find joy. This is just a glimpse into who I am. But your pastor is a dork. I'm a huge nerd. And I find joy into reading Wikipedia about Superman. Stuff that does not matter. I, I have spent hours on Wikipedia just reading about different Supermans from different worlds and comic books and stuff like that. Um, then the thought occurred to me one time. You're wasting your life. What else could I be doing? Maybe that thought needs to occur to some of us. There's nothing wrong with me doing that, but I've rearranged my schedule to where, you know what, I, I'm not going to get on stupid stuff like that when I have two children saying, Daddy, can you play with me? Or my son just going, because he can't talk yet. But <laughs> there, there are so many other things 
that God has put in your life to give you joy, and number one being his son, his cross is enough to, give, to bring you joy, to give you joy. But Jesus is relentless for you. He bankrupt heaven to buy salvation for you and everyone you know. The second thing about this parable is Jesus is compassionate. Jesus is compassionate for the one. He doesn't just walk up, and this ties right into my second point, which is Jesus is intimate. But he doesn't walk up and just break the sheep's legs. He rejoices because he found it. He rejoiced because he found it, which leads me to my second thought for you. Jesus is intimate, which in 14 through 16, Jesus says again, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus is intimate. So the word that he, he says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me and I know the Father. That word know in the Greek is genosko which means to know, to really understand, to recognize, to be familiar with. When Jesus is saying, I know my sheep, he's saying, I know you. I really understand what you're going through. I really understand who you are. I understand how you were made. I understand everything about you. I recognize you. You can't do enough in your life to make you unrecognizable to God. You might be unrecognizable to your family, but you can't make yourself unrecognizable to God. And he's familiar with. He's familiar with what you're going through. He's familiar with, with, with what's going on in your life. He's familiar with you. He's familiar with your struggles. He's familiar. Jesus is intimate. This word, genosko, has been used several times times in the Bible, over a thousand. And it's an intimate word because when Jesus, when, when Gabriel appeared to Mary to tell her that she was going to have the Messiah, Mary used this word to say, I have not known a man, which is that word genosko. It's intimate. Jesus is intimate he doesn't want a surface-level relationship with you. He wants an intimate, passionate relationship with you. He wants you to understand him and, you to, and to understand you. He wants this back and forth. He doesn't want us to go through life thinking that we're alone. My sheep know me, and I know my sheep God wants us to have genosco relationship with him, to really understand him, to really know him, to recognize when he's moving, to recognize what's going on in our life, to see him moving in our circumstances. He wants that, but, but that takes time. Know what it does? It takes time of us developing a relationship with him. It takes time of spending time in prayer, spending time in just worship, just sitting in his presence, just, just going after him. In a busy life, in a busy world, we're, we're surrounded by hired hands. 
It's time that we get to know the good shepherd that knows us. We need a genosco relationship with Jesus because he's intimate. If we're surrounded by hired hands and we're putting our faith in them, we're always going to have a surface-level relationship with Jesus, and then we're going to have a hard time distinguishing between his voice and every other voice in our life. But when we have a genosco, a, just to really understand, to really recognize, to be familiar with relationship, then we'll be able to recognize when he's moving, when he's showing up, when he's doing things. Yesterday I was at the mall in Franklin. I forgot the name of it. Did anyone? Yes, that one, Cool Springs. And I was sitting there. Sky wanted to ride the escalator up and down, up and down, up and down. So I'm just, here we go. Everything in this mall is too expensive for me anyway. So this is just as good as anything. And so I'm going around and around and around and around and around. And we go to the thing because Amy's like, I really want to go to Old Navy. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I mean, we'll just go to up to the mall because I, I, I wanted to go to uh, Academy, which is across the street. And I thought... Every mall had an Old Navy. Apparently not. We, uh, Sky and I were standing at the, the mall kiosk thing that had the map of the mall. And um, I'm looking. I'm like, because Amy was looking at something else, and she had Peyton with her, pushing, pushing the stroller, and she had to go back down to the elevator. So we're waiting, and it's been like 10 minutes, and I'm reading. I, I, read, I read through that index like 10 times, like, please, God, let there be an Old Navy. It would make my wife so happy. When my wife is happy, everyone's happy. And, and I was expecting in faith an Old Navy to pop up just magically. God could do it. He just didn't. Um, <laughs> and it didn't happen. But I heard down quite a distance away, probably from here to the parking lot away, I heard, ah! I thought, that's Peyton. And Sky, Sky's sitting there holding my hand. She goes, there's Baby Bear. And I pop around the corner. Sure enough, there's my son going, ah! I say that because I know my son. I knew. I knew his ah! Eh. I knew that he was upset about something. I knew. I understand him. I know him. And even my, my, my daughter recognized it. How did I get to where I can recognize his eh? Spending time with him. Playing with him. Just having a great time in his presence. Getting down on my hands and knees and going, with him. That's what our Father wants. Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. As soon as I popped around, I went, hey, bear. He's looking. He heard me. And he's, ah! Because he knew my voice. He knew me. Jesus wants 
genosco relationship with us. We get familiar. What does that look like? I'm not saying add rules to your life. I'm just saying spend time with God. How do you spend time with God? Open the Bible. It's not 10 chapters a day. It's not one verse a day. It's, it's what you can grow with with God. There's not a wrong amount of the Bible. If it's half a verse a day or a one verse a day, that's not a wrong amount. You can't get enough Bible. But if you're starting from scratch, well, maybe you just need to download the, the version app and just read the verse a day. Don't shoot for, for 30 minutes a day when you haven't read 30 minutes in the last 10 years. Just start and see the intimacy build. Maybe it's just taking time on your way to work or the first thing in the morning as you're drinking your coffee and just thanking God for the day. Just, you know, I wouldn't say set a time limit. The average Christian, this is a poll, Gallup poll, prays less than two minutes a day. I would challenge us to be above average. I think we could do that. Man, you, if you just start thanking God for every blessing that he poured out on your your life starting with the cross and the resurrection, you could probably hit an hour. So that's just thanking him. I mean, if you just take your time and say the Lord's Prayer slowly, you could take more than two minutes. So if you, you just start, and that's where intimacy grows. That's where intimacy grows. Jesus is intimate. And the last thought I want to leave you with is Jesus is in control. Jesus sums up this I am statement with I am a good shepherd with a power statement. I have authority. He decided to sum up this last statement, this this, this I am statement. I am the good shepherd with a power statement. And it says in 17 through 21, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and take it up again. This command I received from the father. And it says the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them were saying, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these aren't the sayings of a demon-possessed man. Can a demon-possessed man open the eyes of the blind? Jesus is distinctive, Jesus is intimate, and Jesus is in control. Your life might be spiraling out of control. You might have got bad news from your job, bad news from your doctor, bad news from your wife or husband, you know, like bad news all around, and there's nothing, you feel powerless to do anything about it. Let me tell you, if Jesus Christ has authority to lay down his life and take up his life again, he has authority in your life to work out the details of the situation that you're facing. So all we must do is let him be in control. So often, we try to take control from him and then wonder why we don't have peace. We only have peace when he's in control. We only have peace when he gives direction. We only have peace when we follow his directions. But we're saying, God, 
We're, we're quoting the great theologian Carrie Underwood, Jesus, take the wheel. But then we're over there trying to give it gas. We're trying to speed up his plans. Or we're trying to stop, like, God, I really want to stop at this relationship again. Hey, let's loop back. I really like that person. Um, God's like, no, that person's toxic to your health, so you need to get them out of your life. Or, um, no, God, I really like this. No, 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 you were addicted to that for a long time, so you don't need to go there anymore. Hey, no, no, God, but, and God, guess what? God has his driver's license. He doesn't need a backseat driver. He's in control. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. In fact, one of the last things he says in Matthew 28, before he ascends to heaven, he sandwiches a great commission between two amazing statements. He says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. And he says, go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. When he tells us to go, he tells us to go in his authority, in his control. We gotta, we gotta quit trying to take control back from God in our life. I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching better than some of us are responding. I can tell you that. We gotta let God have control. That's his place. Jesus is distinctive, he is intimate, but he has all authority. The number one conversation I have with the Lord in my life, the number one conversation I have, constant, because there's so many things. I have lists on my desk of what I pray for, because people ask me to pray. And if I tell you I'm going to pray for you, I write it down, I pray for you. And I have lists, and I pray for things. And I have lists for the church and the things I want to see happen. I have all these different things. And sometimes I, I grab hold of it and I try to put the weight on my shoulders like it's my job to make things happen. And it's not. Just FYI, it's not my church. There is one flock and one shepherd, and I'm not it. It's him. It's his church. But sometimes I try to make things happen like it's my church. And I'm like, God, why isn't this happening? God, you got to do this. And it's just, God's like... Whoa! Don't tell me what to do. I'm like, okay. He's like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just concerned. God, I want this to. He's like, just chillax. Trust me, and he'll ask me. This is the number one thing that we come convey back and forth. This is Ryan. Do you trust me? I'll go through my head while I'm praying. I'm saying, okay, God, you know my heart. You know that I trust you. And he says, then trust me. Some of us need to hear that today because there are things in our life that we can't control. I can't make this church grow any faster or any slower. I, I don't know what else to do, but it's his church. And all I got to do is be obedient. All I got to do is say, okay, God, you open that door. I'll walk through it. Okay, God, you told me to do that, so I'm going to do it. And that's my job. His job is everything else. Our job is obedience. His job is everything else. Our job is to listen. His job is everything else. Jesus is in control. Some of us need to have this. Some of us need to hear this. Do you trust God? 
then trust Him. Some of us need to examine our hearts because if we trust God, then we believe Him. If His Word tells us, if His Word, if His Word tells us that He's our provider, guess what? He'll provide. If His Word tells us that He's our healer, guess what? He'll heal. If His Word tells us that He's not willing that any perish but all come to re- a place of repentance, then guess what? It's not on you to get that lost person saved. It's on you to love them like Jesus and let Him be in control. Let Him be in control. Because we can't be in control of anything anyways. It's a, it's a fool's errand for us to try to control stuff. We trust God with what He can do and then we just do what he tells us to do. And it makes life so joyful, so much simpler. There are things in your life today, I really feel there are things in your life today that you cannot control, and you've been trying to control it, and you need to let go. There's some of us in here that hits the nail on the head. There's some people in here wrestling with the fact that Jesus is relentless with you, that he is distinct. There's some people, since I, since I mentioned the hired hands, I didn't give an exhaustive list. You guys know the Holy Spirit does a better job at pointing out hired hands in your heart that you're putting your trust in. But there are people in here today that are wrestling with hired hands in their heart. There are people in here today that are wrestling with the fact that God is wanting an intimate genoscope relationship with them because you feel like you're so unworthy well join the club every one of us is unworthy of a relationship with jesus but that's why romans um, 5 6 through 8 it says you see at just the right time when you when we were still powerless christ died for the ungodly very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person though For a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. If you feel like you are unworthy, Christ died for you, and he wants a relationship with you. But that leaves us with the decision. We either believe God and who Jesus says he is, or we don't. There's a quote from C.S. Lewis that I'm going to read to you, and I think it sums it up pretty well. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he'd be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a man-mad or something worse. We have a choice today that we must choose who Jesus is to us. We know who he said he is. He says he is the great I am. He is the Messiah. He is the light of the world. He is the gate. He is the bread of life. He is the good shepherd. Or he's not. He is, but too often we live like he's not. Jesus is. You either believe him or you don't. It's time for us to grab hold of who Jesus is.
Grab hold of who Jesus is. Let him be who he is in you. He wants to be who he is in you. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. Let him come alive in us. Let's all stand. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Man, if you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, And you need a relationship with him. It's as simple. Jesus wants a relationship with you. He loves you. He cares for you. Jesus bankrupt heaven to buy your salvation by laying down his own life on a cross. He lived a life that we could not live. He lived a life that was a perfect payment for our sin. The Bible says God made him who knew no sin to become sin, that we could become the righteousness of God. That's called the great exchange. If you're here and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, we're going to be up here, and we want to introduce you to Jesus Christ. It's as simple as, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. There are some people here that have committed their life to Jesus that have not been living for him. In layman's terms, it's called backsliding. If you're here and you haven't been living for Jesus and you want to recommit your life to him, Jesus is here to meet with you and he wants to introduce you to the Father. He wants a genosco relationship with you because there are things that you're facing that you can't handle, but they're not yours to handle. It's all on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all for Jesus. And you're here today and you walked away from a relationship with Jesus Christ and you want to recommit your life to Jesus. We're going to be up here and we're going to be here for you to respond. Maybe you're here today and one of these points really slapped you upside the head. And you've been letting hired hands call the shots and you've been trusting in the voices of things around you over the voice of God who is all. And you've been trusting in anything and everything but him. Man, the altars are open. Find a place to pray. If you need prayer, we're up here. We're here to pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you're wrestling. Does God really want a relationship with me? Because I've done a lot. Yes, he does. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. You can't out his grace. You cannot run his love. God is here to meet with you today. It's by no coincidence that you are here this morning because God wants to meet with you today. And maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Ryan, I just need to find a place to pray because I've been trying to take control. I've been trying to grab the steering wheel. I've been trying to live like, I say God is God, but I've been trying to make God me. But he's in control. And I need to relinquish control to him. The altars are open. Nathan, Amy, and I will be up here if you need prayer. What I don't want to see happen as we join and jump into this song I don't want us to ignore the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts 
the Holy Spirit has been tugging on some of our hearts for the last 10 minutes. He's saying, you need to respond. Don't ignore that. Who cares what people think? They're hired hands. Listen to the good shepherd's voice. My sheep know my voice. So as we start to sing, the Holy Spirit's working on your heart, and you know who you are, respond. I rebuke all fear in the name of Jesus, and I release power, love, and a sound mind. I release 30 seconds of insane courage to go after and obey the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's respond in the name of Jesus.